0: Through February 28th, get a choice of offers from Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin,
1: like up to 24 months no payments and no interest, or up to $1,125 off a patio door. Get details at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Hey, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 A number of new postings over the weekend. And I, I, I want to start off, we're not going to take calls on this, because I admit I've been on my soapbox about this for the last couple days, and it really is a first-world problem, given you know, what's going on in the rest of the world. But well, here, here's what I tweeted over the weekend, and it's kind of a follow-up to Greg Matzik's Sports. It is absolutely disgraceful that baseball owners and players have failed to come to an agreement. The real losers are the fans and the folks who work for small amounts of money so the players and owners can become rich beyond the dreams of avarice. And it's just, again, I I understood that there was the possibility that this could happen 80-plus days ago when Major League Baseball locked out the players. And the reason they locked out the players is the collective bargaining agreement has expired. And the concern was, gee, we don't want the players going on strike in the middle of the season and potentially canceling the playoffs, which is when the owners make a, a lot of their money. So let's lock the players out, and we'll try to force a resolution. Well, that's all well and good, except then the owners sit around for six weeks before they even make their first proposal. you got these off-again, on-again talks, and, and now the word is, unless you can get a settlement by today, they're, they're going to cancel or at least delay opening day and shorten the season. And it's just a complete and total mess. And what has been frustrating to me, and I know to a lot of people, and, and this is from my perspective as a as a baseball fan, as a guy who writes out a check you know um, every year to to buy a bunch of the the tickets um, it's frustrating to me that you you cannot get this done where you have literally a multi-billion dollar business where the value of baseball teams is going through the roof. The the Brewers, I don't mean to pick on the Brewers, but when the Art Nazi ownership group brought the Brewers, they they paid $223 million for it. The team is now worth a billion dollars. And there would be, if they decided to sell the team, there would be people lining up to buy it. Owning a major league baseball team is like a license to print money. Now in any one given year, you know, The cash flow might be a little bit less but Major League Baseball teams aren't hurting and the players aren't hurting and and I look I take no position on you know what should be the minimum salary and when should somebody be eligible for arbitration all I know is that there is just a Boatload of money that is out there to be divided, and the fact that these people cannot get together and figure out an equitable way to divide it is just disgraceful. On top of that, it's it's the quote unquote little people that are the ones that get hurt. It's the fans that have advanced the, the money and and buy the souvenirs. But what really my real heart goes out to me, and I've, I've told this story before. I, I have friends in the Fort Myers area who and that's where the Red Sox and the Twins train. I have a number of friends who live, you know, at least during the winter in the Arizona area. And and I, I'm hearing firsthand about the impact that the cancellation of spring training games has because the, these areas depend on people traveling and supporting the team and going to the restaurants and staying in the hotels and things like that. And those areas depend. They've got all sorts of people who, who work spring training games, whether it's ushers or parking or, or whatever. And now when you're talking about putting um regular season games in jeopardy. Okay, 2 years ago you had an abbreviated baseball season that wasn't open to the fans. So all those people who would normally work at American Family Field, sorry, we don't need you. Last year you had the yes, you, you had a full schedule, but it was in front of like a quarter of the stands for a good portion of the year. They put in all these rules which made it very, very difficult to buy beer, for example, they weren't taking cash and stuff like that. And, and the people that got messed over, once again were the people that are working the concession stands. The people that are selling the beer, the people that are the parking checkers, all those folks, the people that that aren't, you know, making a minimum salary of six hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever the number is going to be. You know, these are folks that are, I don't know, making ten bucks an hour or whatever it is, maybe a little bit of tips and commissions, and they're the ones that are losing out. And that is why it is so appalling that the owners and players cannot get their act together. And it's why I think just like it happened in 1994, if they can't get their act together, I think there's going to be a lot of bad feelings. And look, and I understand, you know, whether whether or not you have professional sports, whether or not you have baseball in the spring, given everything that's going on in the world, really is a first world problem. But it is just so frustrating to me. You'd like to almost... Walk into these meeting rooms where you've got the players and you've got the owners and you'd like to flick on Fox News or CNN or whatever show you want to watch and say, do you see what's going on? And do you want to see what real suffering is? Now you mean to tell me that you guys can't figure out how to divvy up this multi-billion dollar pie? Just disgraceful. And if they can't get a deal done by today and they're serious about cancel, which means they would, they claim that an opening day has to be canceled, it will be an appalling failure by everybody connected to it. Brewer's opening day is supposed to be a March 31st for those keeping track. All right, when we come back, I think, I think Vladimir Putin has badly miscalculated in his invasion of Ukraine. I'll explain why, and we'll discuss. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
0: You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ
1: welcome back so very glad to have you with us look it's the lesson i think certainly of of the last 60 years that the us i think should have learned the lesson in vietnam French should have learned the lesson in Vietnam. US and Russia should have learned the lesson in Afghanistan. What is that? That it's very easy to get into places militarily. It's very, very difficult to get out of places sometimes. And the question becomes what does victory look like and, and at what costs? Now, I understand when Russia first I- invaded U- Ukraine, for the longest, for the, in the lead up to this, there was everybody who thought, okay, this, this is going to be the, this walkover. And Putin's going to move in, and the Russian military might is going to take over, and they're going to occupy this country. And I guess, I, I, and I think I said this on the air a couple times. In the back of my mind, and on the air, I kept thinking, well, you, Ukraine is forty million people, and and it's kind of like, okay, what what does what does victory look like, especially if the population doesn't want to be occupied? I mean, yes, you you can roll tanks into some of the major streets, but what what happens? Are you going to get into street by street fighting if the governments decided that it is not going to surrender you know where where do you go and and how much of a commitment do you make and you're already seeing I I guess I three takeaways after the last few days of the invasion first of all if anybody thought this was going to be a walkover it has not been you know you Ukraine is putting up incredible resistance and if you look at a lot of the images that are coming, it's very apparent that maybe Russia overestimated its military might. I was watching some film about how the, their supply lines are stretched and you've got these tanks that have run out of gas and things like that. And, and yes, I, I mean, Russia is this huge military bear that's pressing in. But at the same time, it, it's not like this was, hey, we, we're going to move in, and it hasn't been, uh, you know, 24 hours later they, they've taken over the country and they've imprisoned the leadership and all that. That's, that is not happening. And what it's looking like, best case scenarios, if Russia continues to press this, you are looking at a long battle, especially since, and I'll get to more of this in just a second, you, you see the rest of the world kind of uniting. And, and you hear all these messages about, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to be selling, this play, This country is going to be providing missiles, you know, anti-tank missiles to your, Ukraine. And so it's very apparent that the West is kind of rallying and they're going to be providing, if not actually troops on the ground to help defend Ukraine, they're going to be providing weapons which can be used. And, and that does nothing but prolong the struggle. You look at one story after another where you're talking about... You're Hear Ukrainians saying, "Hey, we're 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 heading home. We we want to fight." Now I understand there's lots of people trying to get out. And you've got a humanitarian crisis, but my point is, if Putin thought that this was going to be a walkover, it just hasn't happened. Secondly, in invading Ukraine, Vladimir Putin has done something that I did not think was possible, and I'm not sure it's happened since September 11th, 2001, and that is he's been able to unite the world after September 11 2001 the vast majority of the world came together to denounce the terrorist attacks on American soil this invasion has effectively done the same thing Thing. now I understand that you know China has been kind of on the sidelines but as a general rule most of the free world has united in condemning Vladimir Putin to the extent that Switzerland who is historically neutral for example Switzerland has frozen Russian assets in Switzerland I mean that that shows when you've got the Swiss that are even coming in on the side of the free world Vladimir Putin has managed to turn Russia into an international pariah as you have most of the world, not all, but most of the world uniting against Russia for this I- invasion and now you have the, the different economic sanctions that are being put on Russia that are candidly, I think, already having a huge effect. You, you saw the the interest rates went up to like 20 percent, the Russian stock market has crashed, and this is all in the space of just a couple of days before a lot of the sanctions that are being imposed uh, worldwide take into effect third, I think one of the things that you're seeing, and I don't think uh, Putin counted on this, was the fact that there's becoming a huge blowback by the Russian people. If if you're looking at some of the images that are coming out of Russia, what you see is you see people that are lined up for blocks and blocks and blocks trying to get to an ATM machine so they can get whatever cash out they they can get because they're afraid that there's going to be a run on the bank and the ruble is going to be worthless. And now you're seeing again Russia being ostracized in International world, you you can't travel anymore. Um, All the airspace, pretty much around the world, has been denied to Russian airplanes. And and this is only a couple days in, and you're already starting to see that blowback. You're also starting to see protesters in Russia, and in Russia, look, you you show up on the streets to protest against the government. What happens? You get thrown into the gulag, and who knows if we're going to see you again. But yet, that is precisely what is happening. So I, I think, on many different ways, Putin made a miscalculation here and this hasn't worked out like he planned our number 855-616-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line do you believe that Putin anticipated Everything that is happening, do you think it would in fact happen? Or is this, do you think he's just equally as surprised that things just, hey, nope, it didn't roll over. The West didn't roll over. Um, I, I thought I was going to be able to walk into Euro- Ukraine. Now I'm getting the stiff resistance. The world is starting to unite against me. 855 616 1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. I think Putin has badly miscalculated. And I think, as I said a minute ago, he's managed to do something that I didn't think was necessarily possible. He has united the free world, and they're united in one cause, which is to stop this aggression. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, I read that some areas of the Ukraine allowed Russian troops and equipment in and then shut down Russian supply chains so they would run out of food, fuel, ammunition. Well, I mean, I'm seeing these pictures of tanks that are out of gas and things like that. Now, look, you know, Russia has a huge military advantage over the Ukraine, but at the same time, it's one thing to have a huge military advantage. It's another thing that when you are facing resistance, it's another thing to be able to exercise execute and use that military advantage. Jeff, I think Putin is a cold, cunning, calculating dictator who is fully aware of his actions and is ten steps ahead of the repercussions. That's what worries me. No, I don't think so. I guess that that's where I would I would disagree. I think maybe Putin is somebody who has been emboldened by A belief that the the world will not unite, that he can push his way into a a sovereign nation, that he can declare in his own mind what a state is going to be, and that people let him get away with it. But I don't think that that's the case. And I think Putin is, I think he's legitimately surprised that you have the the uniformity of sanctions. I mean, Switzerland is closing the financial markets to him. And I, I think that that's where the miscalculation might be. Now, I don't know how stable the Russian government is. But at the same time, if you're if you're looking at breadlines and you're looking at an economic crisis and you're a Russian citizen and all of a sudden everything you've worked for, boom! It, it, the stock market has has absolutely cratered and crashed, and you're wondering whether the money that you've saved is going to be worth anything. And you find yourself you know, again being ostracized by the world. You you wonder. Even in a dictatorship, and that's what Russia really is, even in a dictatorship like Russia, w- will people tolerate that? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Gianni and Montello, good afternoon.
2: Yes, good afternoon, Jeff. Wow. Hey, um, two weeks ago I called your show, and I apologize. Perhaps I'm a bad uh, judge of character. I did not think that, that he was foolish enough to, to take Ukraine. Uh, you know, the Crimea... Um, it was one thing but and and the the um you know the disputed territories with with russian um citizens in it is another but no he's he's he he, it's apparently he wants to take uh, kiev now this is a full-blown uh incursion into ukraine and i i wonder now what he is thinking because what is he going to tell the mothers and fathers of the russian troops that come home in body bags it's a complete miscalculation it certainly caught me by surprise and I, I think this is the beginning of the end for Putin because the Russian people aren't aren't going to stand for this much longer.
1: Yeah, Johnny, thanks for the call. I, I don't disagree. I, I mean, it's just, again, I think it is a miscalculation. Now, now I mean, here, here's the flip side of this. One of our texters makes this point. Jeff, I don't think he anticipated this, but I also don't think he cares. I am terrified that he won't stop and will eventually send in nukes. I haven't been this afraid since the 1980s. I think Gorbachev had a lot more... Sense, yeah, I, I think um, that's it, Jeff. You're uh, see, and I, I mean, there there are some people who think that that Vladimir Putin is the most brilliant strategy and, and world leader ever. You're crazy if you think he hasn't considered all of this and has a plan for it. Well, I I don't know. Um, I I don't know that you've got the the plan. And maybe he just doesn't care. Maybe that that's a situation that you don't mind that if Russia is going to rise up against him, you don't mind if you've united the entire world against him. I mean, I, I don't think that... I don't believe that he anticipated that you would have all these sanctions. I don't think he thought that you could get the West to come together in one united front. And you know what? I I understand why you might think that because you've know you got, I mean Germany still gets what 50% of its natural gas from from Russia. Russia is this giant gasoline station that's out there. So he didn't think that uh, Germany would would act up, but Germany's been willing to act up. I don't think anybody thought Switzerland, and I understand it's a a small sort of thing, but Switzerland has always been neutral. And now you have these other countries that are providing, again, military aid to U- Ukraine. Would would Ukraine, if this war goes on uh, six months or a year, is Ukraine going to be able to stand up? I, I don't know. I don't know what's left after the, this. And I'm not sure I understand completely what the end game is going to be. But I think... Putin has made a miscalculation. Jeff, surprisingly, Putin did underestimate the resolve of the Ukrainians, their allies, and in particular, their president. He should have known the president's strength after watching him rebuff Trump's pressure to do him a favor. Unfortunately, Putin won't back down easily. This will be a humanitarian disaster. Well, that's, of course, that is, of course, the the big question, which I want to talk with you about in just a couple minutes, which is, what do you see as the end game and, and I know we've discussed this before but th- that's what I keep looking at trying to figure out how does this end? Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Next week's sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase, presented by Great Midwest Bank, is senior realtors Bruce and Jean Nemovitz. Trust, experience, integrity. Are you a senior looking to sell your home or someone looking to help a family member downsize? Well, with over 20 years of experience, Bruce and Jean are dedicated to providing the best services to seniors and their families. They do a great job. To learn more, visit Bruce's team.com or call 262-242-6177. Okay, now it is my belief that, that Putin miscalculated. That I, that I think he. I don't believe that he is the genius that apparently some of you, you do. I, I think he's a tyrant. I think he's a strong man. I think he's used to being a bully. And bullies sometimes. get get surprised when people stand up to them, especially since there hasn't been a lot of people standing up to Putin over the course of the last decade. I mean, we went, when he decided to annex Crimea, he was able to do it with very, very little consequences. So I, I think, I mean, I can understand why he would be feeling emboldened by this, but this hasn't been Crimea. This has been the world that is pretty much united against him. So now you have Ukraine that is putting up resistance. You have the rest of the free world that is now starting to provide them with weapons to help resist you have sanctions that have been put in place and i guess i understand some people don't think that there's enough sanctions but i mean here here's the deal you, you what you have to understand what's going on here is that the, the the russia is now being denied access to large parts of the financial system sanctions on their uh, central bank As a result of this, um, their their interest rate, the borrowing rate, has now gone up to 20%. As I was saying earlier, you have people that are standing in line trying to get money out of this. You've got their access to being able to travel internationally. That has been pretty much cut off. So there there are consequences here. And it's also very apparent, if you follow what's going on in Russia, that as much as they're trying to manage the propaganda It's a different world out there now with people having access to the Internet and cell phones and things like that. It's tougher and tougher for these repressive regimes to keep reality out. And you're starting again to to see that. And at some point in time, I think if they haven't already been aware of it, the Russian people are going to start getting the, the fact that, hey, we have become this international pariah. Having said that. Russia in general, and Vladimir Putin in particular, is an international pariah with access to nuclear weapons, which makes him incredibly dangerous. He's also, as are bullies, bullies are people that, you know, they they need to win, that they, they need to, they need to figure out a way to save face, and so even if it's not a victory in reality they need to be able to claim victory and I think that's especially important for somebody like Putin who he's not responsive to the Russian people but what he is responsive to is the oligarchs the people in power that keep him in power because once he loses their faith that that's where it becomes an issue so if we're going to have a non-military solution. It's very apparent to me that there needs to be some sort of off-ramp for, for Putin, where he can save face and be able to claim victory, whether he won victories or not. Okay, so our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. You know, we're we're several days into this now. Let me ask you, what what do you see as the end game? I, I mean, and I guess. If if you had to look into that crystal ball, how do you see this resolving yourself? Do you see Russia taking over Ukraine, setting up a, a puppet government, um, killing the president of Ukraine, and then just reinstating essentially the Iron Curtain and then menacing Poland and the other neighboring Baltic states? Is that how this turns out? Um, do you see... I don't know the out that Putin just admitting that this was a bridge too far, like in Afghanistan and, and pulling back and the Russian tanks driving back in, in failure. Is is that going to happen? eight five five six one six one six twenty, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I actually and, and I, I hope I'm right, because you know, a, a military conquest of Ukraine would be just dreadful. The sooner this mess ends, the better it is for everybody. I mean everybody in the world. So I'm hoping there's some sort of diplomatic off-ramp here where you, you get the ceasefire. Ukraine goes back to being Ukraine. If you have to make some nominal concessions to Vladimir Putin so he can claim, claim victory, th- then you do that. But I'm hoping there is a diplomatic solution to be found. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. What do you see as the end game? Back to discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. And also, please understand, I am not talking about appeasement. That's not this at all. Matter of fact, what what I've seen, I think you've seen, is you have this Russian tyrant, that this bully, that's launched this attack, and like I was saying earlier, has managed to unite the entire world, or almost the entire world, uh, against him. Something that you would have never thought was possible. So I'm I'm not saying you capitulate. Oh, Mr. Putin, here I tell you what, we're going to let you establish a puppet government in in Ukraine, and we're going to promise that they're never going to be a part of NATO, and we're up. But you know, I I don't, I'm not advocating that at all. But I think as the As it becomes more and more clear that, I I believe at least, that Putin did not understand the consequences and thought this was going to be a lot easier, if you want to resolve this, you still need to find a diplomatic off-ramp, that's the phrase that I'm using, so you you can let the dictator save face and pull back the the troops without giving up anything significant or anything that you wouldn't have given up before the, the invasion. And I guess that's what my hope is. I don't know how you structure that deal, but otherwise... Otherwise, and again, a couple of texters are saying well that that putin 's going to become increasingly more frustrated and then you 're going to see him try carpet bombing the cities and things like that, and you 're going to have you know tens of thousands of civilian casualties i don 't put that past him I guess at that point in time, you ratchet it up and then you ratchet up the the world response. I just don't want to see this turn into World War III, but I understand that you cannot give in and capitulate to this, you know, tin-pot dictator who, unfortunately, has access to a nuclear arsenal. Let's start with Dan in Port Washington. Dan, you're on WTMJ.
2: Uh, Thanks, Jeff. I think in the next two weeks, if the military aid that Germany has promised now, finally, after reneging when Trump asked them to put in their 2%, if they send the military aid and uh, planes that they're buying from the U.S. now, Jeff, versus Russia. If they send that in in a month, it'll be settled, because I think the people in Ukraine want democracy, and they're going to uh, fight all hell for it. If, however, they don't get it. And then, they, let me finish, he starts carpet bombing people leaving Ukraine. World War III starts. Thank you.
1: Thanks Nicole. call. Well, I... I, I... First of all, I I agree with where where you were starting off to to begin with, um, Dan, and that is I, I think it is very, very heartening to me to see that the world is united, to see that Germany has made a commitment that it's going to increase its, its spending, its military spending, and they've made a commitment to provide weapons and things like that. that that's what you need to see. Um, in, in the United States, we need to, like yesterday, get an aid package for Ukraine through, you know, providing them with the things, and I'm not talking about boots on the ground, but I'm talking about the things that they can use to help defend themselves from the, the Russian attacks to make this more and more costly. Now, the, the danger with that is, you know, what, what do you do when you, you know, force Putin into a corner? But I guess we're, we're really past that point now. And I think you're going to see the economic sanctions take effect a, as well. Uh, especially as it starts to have an impact on on the streets of Russia, because I have to. Bl- I mean, this this isn't World War Two. I mean, this isn't Nazi Germany trying to you know invade Russia and destroy the the country. That that's not what this is. This is, if anything, it is the flip side. And as I always say, I'm reluctant with analogies to Hitler and Nazi Germany and things because they're almost always inappropriate but in this particular case it really is kind of the flip side of, of what happened in, the, in the, the 30s and 40s. Here you have Russia which has decided to invade a sovereign nation claiming that it has historical ownership of that nation and in what they're phrasing is a war of liberation except nobody believes that it's a war of liberation. Uh, James on the south side, James you're on the. W- TMJ, good afternoon.
2: Yes, um, Jeff, I think that uh, if he doesn't get his
1: way, I think this is going to be stretched out uh, over Biden's uh, next three years in uh, office and stuff like that. And I think it's going to get a lot messier. And maybe he will even uh, use his nuclear uh, weapons or stuff like that to really just show that uh, he's still in power and he's still Russia, that there's still Russia. I think it's going to get a lot worse before it's going to get a lot better. Well, James, thanks for the call. I hope you're wrong. I, I mean, I, I just I, I don't I, I can't say to you, oh, there's there's no way that Russia wouldn't use some of its nuclear arsenal. I mean, obviously, if that happens, it's a completely different story. But you're essentially talking about Russia going to war with with the world. That that's that that's it. And you, you I guess, you, you never know the mental state of of a particular. Leader, um, who, who would have thought that you know Hitler would have done you know what what Hitler did? And I'm not saying Putin is Hitler, but but at the same time, the, these behaviors, these irrational sort of behaviors, and you know who, who knows what could happen. So I, I hope you're wrong. I, I hope cooler heads prevail. I hope that there's that there's somebody in power in Russia because it's not just Putin. I mean, it, it, it's just—it's it, not just Putin. So you would hope that some of the people in power are able to sit and say, "Look, this this is not this is not the road we want to walk down." You know, we we don't want to have all our 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 entire economy crumble. We we don't want to have all the foreign assets that we have all over the world for some very very rich and powerful people. We don't want to have those. Taken away, um, we we need to figure out again. The term I'm using is, is some sort of off ramp, which I'm not arguing is appeasement. That that's not the case at all. But something where we can let somebody save face, but at the same time we're we're, we're pulling back. Let's talk to Jorge in uh, Waukesha. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, you, um, you know, I don't think he's gonna he can use the uh, nuclear stuff. Because there is, like you said, a lot of people behind him. I mean, if you have seen the news whenever he does a press conference to their own cabinet people, you see how they twist their mouth and their eyes. You know, they are like, are you crazy? You know, but they can't say anything, number one. Number two, by the time he decides to push the button, do you know the Netherlands, how many silos with nuclear rockets they have? I mean, they are right in their corner. 15 minutes after he pushed that button, he is done. I mean, by the time we get one, you know, so I don't think he's going to go that way. He's just pushing. Why they took Chernobyl? Because I'm pretty sure, you know, Chernobyl is not dead. They've been enriching uranium. That's the, that is the truth, you know. That's why he took that one, because he needs that extra insurance from Ukraine. So I don't think so. The only thing I know, he's a bully. Yeah, he's going to hurt a lot of people. But I, I'm just feeling for the way he's doing it, because, hey, Gorbachev didn't go to the perestroika to have just his, uh, you know, descendant mm-hmm. to come and twist everything. He said transformation. <sighs> so that means he is going to fail. He's not going to accept it, but if he goes a little more crazy, one of their own of their own, is going to take care of him. Thank you yeah, very right. much. No, no, thank, Mexican, you for... thank you very much. <laughs>
1: No, thank you for the call, sir. And, you know, it's interesting because what you're saying is, is, is the expression of a, a number of textures that I'm getting are saying things like two-thirds of dictators are taken out by their own people. It's probably the um, easiest solution. Jeff, um, best-case scenario, rich and poor alike in Russia demand Putin's ouster. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, to heck with an off-ramp, toss the bum out due to the financial calamity he caused by his misstep. Well, I, I look, is the world – probably a better place if Vladimir Putin is not leading Russia I mean you don't know what the alternative is but right now the, the question kind of becomes could it be worse so I'm I'm, I'm there with you on that at the same time you got to figure out how you're going to affect this thing and I appreciate what you're saying Jorge that the idea that that's why a nuclear war is so just very very unthinkable you know, because of, of the devastation it would cause and because of the response capacity that you know the the free world has that's why i think one of the things that has been so very positive look and i i understand that there's not many silver linings in the very dark cloud of everything that's been going on over the course of the last couple of weeks over there but one of the positive is the fact that the world has united and uh, there's there are I think there's been common agreement in areas where, you know, people, you know, I don't think would have ever agreed with anything before. Here is one of the other things and we are going to talk about Donald Trump in the next hour of the program. But um remember, for the longest time, he was pushing to. Essentially dissolve NATO or pull the United States out of NATO. And I think Trump had an interesting point that that the United States' contribution financially was perhaps disproportionate. Putting that aside, though. Aren't we glad we have the NATO alliance now? Because the NATO alliance is what is standing up to, uh, again, Vladimir Putin. And it's not just a question of, okay, this is the United States or this is Great Britain or whatever. This is NATO and it's Germany. And, you know, it's the other NATO countries that are there as well. And I think that is a, that's a positive. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner and this is Jeff Wagner. One of the things I have consciously tried to do over the course of the last couple weeks is I've tried to use this my program, my perspective. As, as a, I don't want to be uh, as a podium to to just rip on Joe Biden for this because this is one of these times where I think that we're not conservatives, we're not liberals, we're, we're Americans, and we, we come together for things. I, I think it, it's very clear, and I mean, I don't I don't really fault that the tone that Biden has taken. He's clearly, at least in my opinion, he's not necessarily leading the, the charge against Putin, but but he's he, he's going along, and he's going along with NATO, and we're doing things. Maybe they're working behind the scenes and coordinating efforts. So, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, he, he hasn't been, I think, necessarily front and center, but he has been part of a group, and I think that might be the way to proceed. Now, having said that, I, I do think there, there's fair it's fair to look at certain policies and, and bring out some criticism. As I've been saying repeatedly, Russia, it's not like China that has this vast economy that, that makes stuff. And, you know, that's not it. Russia is a gas station. And if you, if you reduce the world's dependence on Russian gasoline what happens is you you hurt Russia in a big way and I think one of the things that even to this day it is frustrating is that Joe Biden still refuses to acknowledge that and refuses to take easy measures which would open up domestic production of oil reinstate the the Keystone pipeline uh, allow drilling in the uh, Arctic refuge all sorts of things which could increase our capacity to produce oil, reduce any dependence we might have on oil that we get from Russia, and help allow us perhaps to become a major exporter of oil. And, and instead, Biden talks about, well, we need more renewable energy. Well, that, that's not, an, at least in the short term, that's not a solution to the problems we have. Just saying. Back with more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios.
0: This is the Jeff Wagner Show, and now WTMJ's Jeff
1: Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Let's talk some politics th- this hour. Um, I-, I think you know, we've got a mayoral election that's coming up in the, what early, early April. To me, the dominant issue this time—it's clear. It's it's crime. I was just looking at the latest crime map and statistics that the Milwaukee Police Department has put out. And, again, it, it's, it continues to be unthinkable. Last year, which was a record for homicides in the city of Milwaukee, 191 homicides. Last year at this time, according to official records, there were 16 homicides. This year there are 34. That's up 113 percent over a record year. I mean, at this Pace, you'd be looking at probably almost 400 homicides. Now, it's not—I don't think it can continue that much. But you—you you have people dying right and left on the main streets of Milwaukee, and that 34 number I don't think includes one or two homicides over the weekend. And then other indicators we talk about a lot: car theft. Last year, ten thousand four hundred seventy-nine cars stolen. This year, again, we're—it's. Higher than last year. Same time last year, fourteen hundred cars. This year, fourteen hundred and thirty-eight. So, I mean, statistically, that's only a small increase. But, it, but it's after an unthinkable record year. That you on a twenty-five, twenty-six cars stolen on an average day in the city of Milwaukee. It, it's just unbelievable. And I, I think. One of the things that's happening is average citizens are incredibly frustrated about, about crime. Whether it's the inability to catch criminals, the inability to discourage criminals, the inability once criminals are caught to keep them off the street, you know, you name it, everybody is just fed up with being victims. And into this, in an election year, we, we now have the governor of the state of Wisconsin, Tony Evers. Now, I, I understand that in many respects, being the governor, you're not directly related to, to street crime. At the same time, I mean, this is where the initiatives come from. I mean, it starts at the top. And if you need tougher laws, if you need, I don't know, more police officers, it, it generally speaking, it would start with the chief executive of the state. And I think it is fair to say that if you were to evaluate Tony Evers' grade in dealing with crime, it's really, really easy. He gets an F. You, you can give him credit for all sorts of different things, or you can detract him, but his response on crime has been absolutely appalling, to essentially sit and ignore it. In his State of the State address last week, he, he, didn't, he didn't even talk about crime rates. How can you look at what is going on in the state of Wisconsin and not mention crime rates? Well, it's because he's got no clue, and he's got no solution, and he's unwilling to do the things that really should be done because it's not in his nature and he understands that he's going to antagonize the, the liberal base if you say, okay, well, I, I want to make it easier to you know, keep dangerous people in jail instead of turning them loose on stupid low bales and watching them commit other crimes. He doesn't want to alienate that part of the voting thing. But I, I will say this. There was a moment this weekend, and if you haven't seen this clip, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Wagner 620 it may be a defining moment of the campaign at the very least I think this response is going to come back to haunt Tony Evers over the course of the next few months and if you haven't seen this you you really should he does an interview with WKOW TV it's a pre-taped interview and the interviewer apparently surprises him by asking a question when did you last meet with the family of a homicide victim from Milwaukee? Now, of course, the, the numbers, let me pull them up again. Last year, 191 homicide victims for the full year. This year, already 34. So the, the question is, okay, Governor, when, when was the last time you met with a, a homicide victim? Okay, I mean, fair. I think it's a fair question. And he said, well, I, I, I've met with some, some people who were affected by the Waukesha Christmas Parade. So then the question is, okay, no, when, when, when have, you ever, have you met with any victims of people who've been killed in in Milwaukee? And he said, this is a quote, and you, you can see he's got this deer in the headlights look, and he says, well, I did in the Waukesha occasion. I met with several of families there. I may have before that, but you know, I've got a busy schedule. I've got a busy schedule. Okay, Governor, when's the last time you met with, uh, can you give me like one homicide victim's family that you met with? Just one. And what's it? Well, I've got a busy schedule. Then, again, with the deer in the headlights look, he says, well, you know, in my work on pardons and so on, I I know I've communicated with folks on that. So, okay, so when I'm trying to figure out how to pardon people, for crimes that they committed you know, I've got time to do that I've, I've met with some people there but you know actually the, these people whose family members were killed on the mean streets of Milwaukee well I, I just oh, up, 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 hummina, hummina, hummina. I I've, I've kind of I've got a busy schedule now um, to her credit Rebecca Clayfish jumps on this and it's it, it's actually it's a great tweet Tony Evers has plenty of time for pickleball and his liberal priorities but no time to deal with Wisconsin's violent crime he's a weak leader who isn't serious about pressing issues facing our state. I do think that this particular clip, with again, Evers looking like the deer in the headlights not able to answer well when did you just did you ever have like a little seminar where just a, just a, a meeting where you brought some of these crime victims in to get their families in to get some of their ideas as to whether there's stuff that could happen in in Wisconsin is there stuff the legislature could do you could be a leader on crime and the response is well no I've, I've, I've got a pretty I got a pretty busy schedule I mean I've, I've got to go over to I've got to go over to the, the coffee shop and, and talk to some people and I, I got the pickleball games and it was not the governor's finest moment and i predict that you will see if you haven't seen the clip before you will see that clip and the response a lot in 30 and 60 second ads over the course of the next several months and if you don't see it in 30 or 60 second ads you got to wonder what the people that put out those ads what are they thinking because again not tony evers finest moment back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, we'll switch to some comments on Donald Trump at the, after the bottom of the hour. but as, as long as we're talking about Democrats in trouble, Tony Ever's gee, last time I, I met with a crime victim family oh, I'm not I've been busy. All right, the numbers are brutal. Matter of fact, that's not my word. That's CNN's word. The poll numbers are brutal for Joe Biden Uh, new and this is this is Washington Post ABC News poll so it's not exactly some conservative outlier the poll comes out here's the numbers um, the approval rating question is do you approve of the job the president is doing 37% say they approve of the job he is doing 55% disapprove overall 44% say they strongly disapprove I have to go back and look at the numbers and I haven't done that yet, but I'm not sure Trump ever pulled that low. Um, and it, it doesn't matter what issue you're talking about, whether it's the domestic agenda, whether it's inflation, whether it's the instability that's going on in in the world. And there's all sorts of factors, but there, there's no question about it. Right now, Joe Biden has lost the American people in, in big numbers. Now, Polls are always snapshots in time. And as we know, polls don't always accurately reflect what's going on. But I will tell you, being underwater like this, being, you know, 18 points underwater it is not a good place to be. And it's especially not a good place to be going into, you know, midterm elections that never stack up well for almost always never stack up well for, you know, the, the incumbents. So Biden's numbers, 30 7% approve, 55% disapprove. And, again, it, it's pretty much across the, the board. You've got Republicans that are pretty much united, but he's lost independence. He's lost independence in a big way. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question. Do you think Joe Biden can recover, or is is Joe Biden doomed to be a, a lame duck president who goes down in history as you know one of the more ineffective presidents of, of the 20th century, one of the more ineffective uh, presidents of history. Right now, it's clear that the American public has soured on him because these polls, this particular poll that I'm talking about, is not necessarily an outlier. Can Biden come back? He's got three years before his term is up whether he has to decide to run for re-election or pass the torch to someone else. You've got the midterms that are coming up in a a few months. Look, anything can happen, and I guess maybe the sudden successful um, resolution of what's going on in Ukraine, maybe Biden will get all sorts of credit as being the peacemaker. I'm not sure you're going to see that. People are not necessarily happy with the direction the country is going. I think that that's pretty clear as well. Biden... Big time underwater. Can he come back? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My answer is, well, I guess anything's possible. But to be this far in the hole on so many different issues, um, if the fat lady hasn't sung, she's at least off stage warming up. 855-616-1620. We discuss.
2: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acumen Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, you you can take you know polls for what they are. I mean, my pres- uh, my perspective has always been that you ignore polls at at your own risk, especially when all the polls are showing the same sort of thing. Now, the one exception to that has always been Donald Trump, who always out-polls what his numbers are, because I think there's people who are just reluctant. They support him, but they are reluctant for a variety of reasons to acknowledge that they do. But here's the, the numbers. New Washington Post, ABC News poll out. CNN is calling it brutal. 37% approval rating, 55% disapproval. And I, I, during the break, I, I pulled up the numbers. This approval rating and let's compare apples to apples. It is, the with one exception, it is the lowest for a president heading into their first State of the Union address since Harry Truman. So I, let's, let's just look at Truman on. The only president, former president, who had a lower approval rating going into the State of the Union address, which is going to be tomorrow, Trump had 36%. Biden has 37%. So he's... Essentially, same point in time, he is polling the same as Donald Trump. So for everybody out there who just couldn't stand Trump and said, oh, the, the American people aren't behind him, well, well, Biden has the same. Now, the difference is that the Trump was controversial from the beginning when he came into office, um, and, and you had a lot of people who just never thought he was legitimately the president. In Biden's case, his poll numbers were good in the beginning, in large measure because he was getting... I think, a bounce, credit, whatever word you want to use, from the whole concept of of dealing with uh, COVID-19 and coronavirus. Now, you can argue, again, you know, was... Was Biden just taking advantage of the stuff that Trump had put in place, you know, and the vaccines and things like that. But the big thing that Joe Biden had going for him was that the American people believed that he, you know, was handling the coronavirus uh, pandemic in an effective way. That's pretty much gone. You know, I, I think he's, if you look at the numbers, he's lost the glow from that. The economy, and inflation. I don't want to say the county's been in in shambles, but I think there's a lot of uncertainty. You've got all this unrest going on in the world, and you've got, I think, a lot of people questioning whether or not Joe Biden is up to the task. When they do the individual poll numbers that look at what they call like the generic ballot test, would you vote for a Republican or a Democrat? O- overwhelmingly now, people are saying that they're going to vote for Republicans. Now, that's that's kind of easy to say because it's tough to just do that. You know, you, it really kind of depends on who the people are. But if you look back, these numbers in many respects are kind of similar to where they were. If you look at like, for example, where they were in Trump's numbers and what happened to Republicans um, two years in the Trump administration, looks like you're looking at the same thing on the other side. But the real question is, can can Biden you know, turn this around? Jeff, um, I believe Biden can come back. Um, Look at Donald Trump. Trump is clearly the top Republican. The vast amount of Republicans now bow and curtsy to Donald Trump. We're going to talk about that in the next segment of the program. But The real question becomes, have the American people soured on Biden? And and my answer is, and I've said this before, I I think he's going to go down in history as being a caretaker presidency. I think that's going to be it. He's the guy that was the alternative to Donald Trump. And candidly, I think in retrospect, pretty much anybody who, with perhaps the exception of Bernie Sanders, who would have been nominated, was going to win because of the backlash to Donald Trump. Uh, Joe Biden ran on this platform of I'm going to be a uniter. And as soon as he got into office, he decided to go off on this kind of far left agenda, biting off way more than he could chew. And then, you know, you had the stuff that happened with the pandemic and you've got the world stuff going on. Can you turn it around? Well, I guess you can always turn it around. Ronald Reagan's poll numbers were... Again, faced with some significant economic problems himself, his poll numbers in the first year or two of his administration were not good at all, but he was able to recover and went on to beat Walter Mondale in one of the biggest landslides in American political history. So I I guess it, it says that it can be done, but it also tells me if you look at these numbers that Joe Biden has dug himself an incredible hole and you might want to argue that it's really not his fault that, that these were all events beyond his control that you couldn't have reined in Vladimir Putin that nobody could have done it that you couldn't have anticipated what was going to happen with inflation that you couldn't have seen the Omicron variant coming you, know, you, you can make all those arguments and I, maybe some of them are valid maybe some of them aren't maybe there's a little validity in some of them but the problem with all this Is is like Harry Truman used to say. You know, the buck stops at the desk of the president, and and right now. You have a lot of unease in this country, and you have a president who I think a lot of people have questions about whether he's up to the task. The State of the Union address is going to be tomorrow. My guess is whatever had been written before has been torn up and thrown out, and you're going to hear President uh, Biden talk about, you know, what's going on in U- Ukraine, which candidly I, I think is on the front burner. Is that going to be enough to turn his numbers around? Time will tell, but um, candidly, candidly he's dug himself a really really big hole. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So what is it that could get Joe Biden reelected in 2024 or set 2024 up for maybe a big democratic win? Well, one name, Donald Trump, a uh, William Barr Bill Barr, who is the former Attorney General, I I knew him because he was the attorney general, he was the final attorney general under uh, the first President Bush, and that's back when I worked in the U.S. Attorney's Office. So I, I had an opportunity to meet him a couple times, and matter of fact, I think somewhere I got a picture of me getting an award from him or something like that. And, and, of course, Bill Barr, to the surprise of many of us, came back during the Trump administration and ended up working as attorney general again under Donald Trump, and that, that of course, did not end well. Uh, President Trump was instructing Barr to do various things and he refused and at the end um what what was it? Uh the Trump denounced uh Trump denounced Bill Barr calling him a swamp creature and a rhino who was afraid weak and frankly now that I see what he is saying pathetic. So just like so many people that get into the Trump orbit and then don't do what he wants to do, you know, Bill Barr fell out of favor. Anyways, he's got a book coming out. The book is called uh, One Damn Thing After Another, Memoirs of an Attorney General. Here's the way the uh, New York Times describes it. Former Attorney General William P. Barr writes in a new memoir that former President Donald Trump's self-indulgence and lack of self-control cost him the 2020 election and says the absurd lengths to which he took his stolen election claim led to the rioting on Capitol Hill. He um, urges his fellow Republicans to pick someone else as the party's nominee for 2024, calling the prospect of another presidential run by Mr. Trump dismaying. Mr. Barr writes, Donald Trump has shown he has neither the temperament nor persuasive powers to provide the kind of positive leadership that is needed. So it it goes on and on. The book comes out next week. I, you know, I rarely do author interviews, but I think this might be an occasion. I might reach out and see if we can get him on the air. Now this, this comes after, of course, President Trump's appearance over the weekend at at CPAC, which is the big conservative conference that is held every year. And so Donald Trump shows up at, at CPAC and, um, Gives some very very strong indications in a ninety minute speech Saturday night that um, he he's going to he's looking at running again in twenty twenty four. He tells the crowd, "We did it twice. We'll do it again. We're going to be doing it again a third time." And, and his reference is he he won in twenty sixteen. He continues to maintain he won in 2020 and he says that that's it. Um, He he didn't officially declare his candidacy because that triggers all sorts of federal requirements and stuff. Um, He went on to condemn the Russian invasion, but didn't go after Putin um, directly. And, of course, this is, this is the same guy who, you know, in earlier comments had referred to, to Putin as, as, a, as a genius. The move is, is genius. He labeled Putin as smart during the Saturday night speech. Um, the problem is not that Putin is smart, which, of course, he is smart. The real problem is that our leaders are dumb, dumb so dumb. So, you know, anyhow, it's very, very clear that the president, former president, is at least thinking about running again. Our number, 855 which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, I went out to dinner in the last few nights with a couple people who were, during the, the, the Trump years, were, were huge supporters of, of the president's. Um, at least dur- during the years. I-, I think the the stuff that happened with January 6th and the obsession with the election kind of kind of soured them. But my question to the people I was talking to was, okay, do you want to see him run again? And one of my friends said, well, I'd like to see somebody like him run again. So well, that wasn't the question. The question was, do you want to see him run again? And uh, the person said, no. Nah. And then um, the, the spouse just shook their head and said, no, 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 no way he can win. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the AccuNet mortgage talk and text line. I I understand that there is a a faction of the Republican Party who is still obsessed with 2020, who has gone down the rabbit hole on some of the the election was stolen sort of claims, and that you, you can't bring them back as I've, I've said this in all the years I've been doing this radio show that sometimes you know you, you can't reason people out of a position that they didn't re- reason themselves in I, I understand that for some it is a cult but I guess I, I look at this and I, I'm just hoping that, that people wake up because even if you like Donald Trump even if you think he got a raw deal in the media even if you just appreciate this America first and we should drop out of NATO and we should do all these things I think objectively speaking there is absolutely no way this guy would win were he to run again no no chance of winning at all because there is a lot there are a lot of people who voted for him perhaps as the superior alternative to Joe Biden in November of 2020 who were and are appalled By the way he reacted after losing the election and the way he continues to react on the stolen election claims and his behavior on, you know, during the riots on January 6th, I think appalling as well. So, you know, however many people voted for him in November of 2020. I I just think a lot fewer are going to vote for him in 2024 if he runs. I'm not saying he will or he won't, but if he does, I see no way that he could possibly win. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, 855 coming up in about 20 minutes. Um, yesterday, Saturday, I said goodbye to an old friend. I'll tell you that story. Right now, speaking of old friends, we're talking about the fascination that some people continue to have with Donald Trump. He shows up at the CPAC conference over the weekend, gives a 90-minute speech, all but declaring he's going to run again. I, I just—he has, in my opinion, has no chance at all of winning. And I think Republicans, if they want to retake the White House in twenty twenty four, need need to wake up and just recognize that all, all right, twenty sixteen is calling. But you know, let, let's let's not give them their candidate back. Al in Wales, Al, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. I really enjoy hey, your your uh, your talks. Uh, I I
2: want to know this and. Uh, I don't have to go very far to uh, give up the fact that I am anti-Trump. I wasn't so much for Joe Biden, but I was anti-Trump. And I, with one question, I need to know uh, why someone, how someone can back uh, a politician who has told over 30,000 lies. And I, I, I really uh, enjoy reading PolitiFact. I'm sure you do, too, in the journal. And most, I don't want to say all, all but most of uh, what he said in his four years are verified lies. And how, how can people do that?
1: Well, Al, thanks for calling. I mean, here's my assessment of the 2016 election. Um Donald Trump was the the brash outsider who was going to clean up the swamp. He had a certain agree. He was uh, okay the 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 the, T, the reality TV star. So that, that's how people knew him. He was your are fire that kind of guy. And he was running against a known commodity, Hillary Clinton, that a lot of people, including a lot of Democrats, just di- didn't like Hillary Clinton. That, that's just the, the reality. I understand some people don't like to hear it, but that, that's that's the truth. They just didn't like Hillary Clinton. So Trump was that alternative. And, and I think there were opportunities, and unfortunately, for whatever reason, he just didn't seize on those opportunities. And maybe he's just incapable of, psychologically incapable of doing it, but he just kept narrowing the focus and becoming more and more strident and appealing more and more to the base, his his base, and I think that's where you you are now, and again, I, I think his behavior, at least in my opinion, since the election in November of 2020 has, has generally been uh, appalling, whether it's the continued obsession with, oh, the election was stolen from me, and, and then supporting candidates who want to go down the, this rabbit hole, like the guy that's running for governor in Wisconsin, who's running on a platform of, we're going to decertify the election in Wisconsin and we're going to take away our t- the 10 electoral votes, something you can't do as a matter of law, but it would be crazy regardless regardless. and But those are the type of people that, that Trump is ending up reaching out for. 855-616-1620. Jeff, three things did it for me. Not acknowledging he lost, and instead focusing on his accomplishments, not agreeing to a smooth transition, a tradition in our democracy, and then stoking the flames leading to the January 6th riot. He won't win, so I don't think he should run. Jeff, if Trump decides to run for president, he will definitely win. We're getting tired of the far-left running the clown show. If he was in office today, we wouldn't be talking about Ukraine. I don't know. Somebody asked me that the other day. I I just, I, I don't know at all whether that's the case or not. Jeff, I was a huge Trump supporter. I also think he did win the election. I also believe we wouldn't be where we are in Ukraine if Trump was president. However, Trump is now too old. We have an old guy as a president now who is stuck in the past and doesn't know half the time where he is. We don't need another one. I was mentioning that to somebody. Matter of fact, this morning, I it just there. There is something about our, our electoral process that are, are we not going to be able to find no offense to people who are in their 70s and 80s. But is, can't we even find somebody in their 60s that we think is qualified to run for president? Jeff, you're correct. Trump needs to go away. Jeff, I voted for Donald Trump in 2016. I would not vote for him in 2024, especially since he called Putin a, a genius. Yeah, well, that's the kind of stuff that um, is, is gonna come back to haunt him. Please, no, Jeff, I was a Trump supporter. I believe we need someone with business sense rather Rather than government employee trained in the White House but Trump let people down with all his self-help chaos he could have behaved in a more dignified manner and focused on the job but he got so self-involved in social media his personal battles with others and all the conspiracy theories we need a fresh undrama type of candidate yeah I think that's the element Jeff if Trump does run will other Republicans run against him if a sitting president runs other Republicans don't run well, but he's not a sitting president. He's a president who lost an election. Um, yes, Jeff, I will never vote for a different Republican. If he doesn't run, I just won't vote. If he doesn't run, I just won't vote. I swear I do not understand that line of thinking. I love Donald Trump, but if Trump doesn't win or get the nomination, I'm going to sit it out. What the you know what is that? I mean, really. Oh, so Elizabeth Warren is is running, or AOC is running for president, or Bernie Sanders. Speaking of people in the eighties, he's going to run. So the choice is, if it's not Donald Trump, I'm not going to vote. I, I get. I don't. I do not understand the mindset of some people. Mark in Nuclearis. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. I get, I don't. I do
2: not understand.
1: Mark. The mindset of. Okay, Mark, you had to turn down your phone. Let's talk to Jason in Maguano. Jason. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: How are you doing today, Jeff?
1: I'm good. What do you think?
3: I think that I think that a lot of Republicans would rather see a different candidate. Like to see um, you know DeSantis run, or you know see see what the field holds. But ultimately, I also think that there's many of the uh, not only conservatives, Republicans, but also middle of the field voters like myself you know i didn't vote for trump in 2016 i did in 2020 there's a lot of people in the middle that could go either way in any election that are just horrified at the direction our country's taken in the last under the leadership of joe biden and i would and step further and say not only the country but also the world i mean the weak leadership of joe biden has destabilized you know the, the world stage and i would step further and say that you know, there's a lot of alpha predators, um, you know, in this world. And when you have such a weak leader at the helm of a superpower, that it just is might as well be an invitation, an open letter to these alpha predators like, your, you know, Xi Jinping, like um, Putin, um, Kim Kim Jong-un, mm-hmm. all these different world leaders that have aspirations of, of world domination. And you have somebody like Trump who, for, for all of his faults and all of his failures, and there are many, um, with, with a tweet, he kept those people at bay because, you know, I, I, I just keep thinking back to the tweet where he said, you know, a little rocket man, you know, I've got a button and my button works better. And yeah. I, ju- I just think people, I, I think people would turn to that given yeah. what's going on in the world now.
1: Well, th- thanks, I appreciate it. I guess here, here's here, here's the thing. At some time point in time, you, you need what I'm going to describe as cooler heads to prevail. Now, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe sometime we'll really have to think it through and we'll have a conversation about whether Putin would have been doing what he's doing now if Trump were in office or, or not. I, I, I don't know. And I, I guess I, I think, as I said earlier in the last hour of the program, I mean, I, I think Biden has clearly made this decision that that he's not going to he's he is building a consensus and he's working with NATO and you're applying the the sanctions. Um, I I don't know. You you use the phrase alpha male. And that's an interesting concept. I guess I don't I don't know that the world is necessarily safer if you have let's call Donald Trump an, an alpha male. You know, some people might say just an egotistical narcissist with delusions of godhood, but I, I don't know if that person is necessarily better equipped to deal with like a, a guy like Putin, and or does that that bring the world closer to the the brink somewhere where we don't want to be? But I mean, regardless, I guess I just look at the politics of all this, and I sit there and I think we have to have better choices. I mean, don't we? And I I understand that there is this this cult of personality that that has has developed. And, but again I, I go back to what my friend said the, the other night when we were having dinner. And and he, even my, my friend was like, Well I, I, I don't I don't think Donald Trump can win and I, I but I'd like to see somebody that that embodies some of his policies. And so I said I I get that. I, I understand that and I, I don't disagree. And we started talking about some of the other names that are out there. Now whether or not there's any I don't know, air that's left in the room after you pull Trump out. That that I don't know about. Let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Trump was a great president. Well, I... I I don't know. I I, I have a feeling with all due respect that when we're looking at like putting another head up there on on Mount Rushmore, I I don't think it's necessarily going to be Donald Trump. But but regardless of what you thought about his presidency, candidly, I, I think his behavior after the election whether it was this obsession on the election was stolen, I'm really still the president, or alternatively, his behavior on January 6th and leading up to January 6th, to me, it's disqualifying. And I don't know how else to say that. Jeff, the only Trumpers are oftentimes as short-sighted as the never Trumpers. Maybe. But we'll be around to talk about it. Donald Trump does not appear to be going quietly into the good night. Let's take a quick break. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff
1: Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Okay, let's take a little bit of a lighter note uh, in this segment of the program. Um, I-, I have three words that I-, I send out publicly to my lovely and charming wife. Those three words, you were right. Now, here- here's the story. If you're a long-time listener to this program, you know that I, I am not an early adopter I'm the guy that says okay you know that there's this new thing that's out there and and like well I don't I I like what I've got and I I don't see why i need something else etc etc so I, I I ease into things that that's just kind of the way I am but it's also partly driven by the fact that if I've got something that's perfectly satisfactory and it's working fine why would I get rid of a, a perfectly good piece of equipment that meets my needs and spend money buying new something new, something new, just to have the, the latest bright shiny object? That's just kind of the way I am. So as I've told the story before, um, when it comes to um, smartphones, now I understand that. There, there's some people out there you might be one of them who still has the, the old-fashioned flip phone well I haven't had the flip phone but um, I had I still have the the first smartphone that, that I purchased which was an Apple 5s now to give you an idea they're now the new iPhones are 13 so it, it's been a long time and it, this is my iPhones probably going on seven eight years old and there's been generations and generations since then now my my response on my iPhone 5s has always been, look, it's fine. It does what I need it to do. I mean, I can make phone calls with it. I can check the internet. Now, admittedly, it's not as fast as other things, but it it does the things that I need to do. And what's more, it's paid for. Why do I need to drop money for this? So starting with my wife, but many of my friends have been abusing me relentlessly over the last several years about the, the phone. Well, Part of the problem now is that, that the phone is getting to be such a museum piece that the um, the, the Apple isn't supporting a, a lot of the stuff, that they're not doing security updates anymore, and then I think um, Verizon, by the end of the year or something, it, it's, it's going to be a brick. You know, they're, they're not... The, the the technology, it won't be supported at all anymore. So th- that day was coming when I had to say goodbye to, to my old friend. So Saturday afternoon, we happened to have some, some time that freed up in our schedule, and so it was like, all right, let's go iPhone shopping. The other thing that really got to me was that the, the battery life, and I have replaced the battery a couple times, but the battery was just draining really, really quickly when, when I would use the Internet and things. And so it was starting to become a, a nuisance where you know you look and all of a sudden the phone is the phone is completely losing its charge. So I I go to a couple stores, ended up in, in the Apple store, ran into a nice young man, his name was Nicholas, and um I, I pull out the phone and my, my wife is just snickering as I as I pull out the phone and he's like, Huh We don't see those anymore. I said, "Are you giving any money for trade-ins?" And he said, "Nope, nope. (laughs) We don't kind of support that that technology and stuff." But in any event, you know, we we start looking at the new phones, and he shows me these different things, and I I ended up pulling the trigger, and now holding, I am holding in my left hand a brand new, you know, iPhone, you know, 13 that I ended up buying at the store. The the thing, you know, a lot of times when you when you're making these purchases and stuff, you're worried that you know, is it going to be how much of a pain is it going to be to transfer the, the data? And in my case, the, the young man says, no, it's it's not at all. Here, we'll back up your phone, and then we'll put it up in the cloud, and then, you know, I'll download it. And I will tell you, it everything that was on my old phone is now on my new phone. And it it took probably less than a half hour, 45 minutes all in, all done. And now I've got this brand spanking new, you know, iPhone 13 that is just amazing to me because of how quickly, of how quick it is. You know, I'm used to like going on the internet and checking something and it turns and turns and turns and finally have it. And now it's just, it's like, oh my gosh, this is completely different. And I will tell you, uh, my, my wife ended up being right. It was worth making that purchase, and I resisted this for the longest time because I thought I didn't need it, but now now that I have it, I'm really glad I did, and I guess my thinking is I'm not going to wait as long to go back. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Akinet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Cell phones have become ubiquitous. I mean, there, there was a time when, you know, people you know, used phones and carried phones to make phone calls. Well, nowadays, yeah, they make phone calls, but that's not really, I think, where most people use their, their cell phones, their smartphones for. It's for texting. It's for surfing the Internet, and it's for messages and all these different things. Um, having now upgraded, I am sitting here thinking, I, I should have done this a long time ago. So how do you know when it's time to retire old paint, and make that move to the the new piece of equipment eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is just another one of those things. For I mean, the longest time, you know, I. I the, our, you know, cars have all these new, new features. And for the longest time, I was like, well, who needs the backup camera? Or who needs the, this or that or the other thing? Now that I have a vehicle that has all those in it, I don't think I could ever go back. And now that I have the new smartphone and I'm seeing how fast and there's other things that it does, that my old phone that was perfectly serviceable, I'm thinking I probably should have done this a couple years ago. 855-616-1620. How do you know when it's time to upgrade? We discuss in just a moment. All right. You ready to go? Got your phone? Got it. Keys? Keys. Wallet? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Phone, keys, wallet. What about Debbie? You got Debbie?
3: Of course. Can't forget about
0: Debbie. When you're on the roads, don't forget to take Debbie with you. Follow Debbie on Twitter and tune in every day for the latest on what's happening on our roads. Debbie Lozaga, your go-to for all things traffic in Wisconsin. Only here on 620 WTMJ.
1: Hey, Milwaukee nonprofits! do you need to raise funds for your organization, your church group, your high school, or your sports team? Well, you can the fast and fun way by running a concession stand at American Family Field this summer. Milwaukee Sports Service and the Milwaukee Brewers helped hundreds of nonprofits raise over $1.5 million just last season alone. Look, it is easy, it's fun, it's profitable. Earn a percentage of your sales and keep all your tips. The more games you work, the more dough you make. Sign up now. Stands are filling up fast. Go to baseballnonprofit.com. That's one word, BaseballNonprofit.com.
2: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Yes, I finally pulled the... Pulled the trigger on a new phone purchase over the weekend, and I, I was I was going to see how long I could hold out with my iPhone 5s. It is sort of funny. You walk into these phone stores and you show you show the phone, and they just kind of like look at me, thinking, "Okay, where did this person come from? Excuse me, sir, have you been hibernating for a while?" I said, "No, I," and um, but I, I did. I finally, I would say, traded in. Except I didn't trade it in because there was no trade in available for my iPhone five S. But I, I have the new one, and I gotta tell you, it's it's just it is it is it's like a revelation. All the different stuff it does. It does eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's see. Uh, when do you trade this stuff in, Jeff? Um, I am a novice when it comes to my smart, smartphone. I don't know the difference between my phone or an iPhone or whatever. Oh, I'm telling you, you go, you'll, you'll know, Jeff. Um, I'm right with you. I hate. Changing out something that works, I held on to my six plus forever because I liked the screen size. it finally died, and I had to go to the iPhone twelve. I kicked myself for not doing it sooner. yeah, that's kind of the situation I'm in. If she's listening, my wife was right. Jeff, I just upgraded upgraded to an iPhone thirteen and I am loving it. It runs so much faster and smoother than my iPhone eleven Well, that's interesting, and again, for me, it was like the battery life because even though I've replaced the battery a couple times, it was just draining really, really quickly, and it was becoming just a pain in the butt. Jeff, when you start putting money into fixing it, maybe it's time to replace it. Yeah, there's an element of that. Jeff, the same thing happened to my husband and I. Our phones were old and the battery was draining fast. We pulled the trigger, got two Google Pixel X for Christmas. Love them. Wish we would have done it sooner. (laughs) Yeah, there there is that element. Jeff, I got a newer phone three years ago. I'm like you. If it works, why spend the dough? But it got to the point where the battery would last five hours, I would have to keep shutting it down to reboot. My wife changes phones like every two years. Well, this is the interesting thing, now that you speak of that, is because my wife has an iPhone 11, and so she's she's in there with me when I'm making the purchase, and she's kind of looking at my iPhone 13, and she's saying, oh, this has got two cameras. So you, you can get them with three cameras. I got the one with two because I, I, I was happy with my one camera and my old one. She's like, huh, there's this and there's that, and she kept saying, well, I don't really need a new phone, but i don't know maybe there's a christmas or a birthday that's coming up jeff i wait five years before i change out well that's well i that was beyond that because like i said I, I think this is like 2014 or so jeff my upgrade will definitely be get, be when i get my tax refund check um yeah that's there that's it and i, I just in some respects i feel kind of bad about this because this, this this particular cell phone was with me through thick and thin and I used it a lot Jeff, I never trade out stuff my lawn tractor was built in 1965 and it's going strong my used snowblower brought in 1992 likely 10 years old at the time just cleared 4.9 inches why upgrade? well, I guess there's all sorts of reasons to upgrade, namely the fact that it, it's, it's a lot faster it does a lot of different stuff yeah I mean I kind of like it so I I did I I no longer can say well I've I've got this old phone that's there and I, I will say this if you are one of the people who like me was a little bit hesitant in Doing the upgrade, oh this is one of our texture says you you have you have more storage for mu- for music videos whatever you're upgrading yeah okay so that that's true I don't even want to tell you what the the, the number of gigabytes on the old phone was the guys like looking at it saying well this one has one hundred and twenty eight gigabytes let's see what your old one does oh <laughs> you're going to have a lot more room um yeah so it's that there Jeff like you we resisted change. We finally got new iPhones. Like you, we're very happy we did. The older phones were outdated. Some apps would not even work. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, did they accept fax machines for trade-in? I've got a few. Yeah, there's that element there as well. Um, Jeff, I wait a long Time. Um, you know, I don't spend the money if I don't have to. Well, I, I appreciate that as well. Jeff, I went to Disney in November. My grandkids made me get the iPhone. I got rid of my 12 year old flip phone and ended up getting an iPhone 13. Yep, th- th- there's all those things that are out there. And I understand it. it was a little bit difficult. So then I have this, and I'm asking the guy, well, what, what should we do with it? He said, well, here's the one thing I insist you do you got to take out the SIM card. i not SIM card yes yeah. I said, take out the SIM card because if somehow somebody should get this they might be able to access data and stuff so we're going to take it out and and destroy it he said get rid of that he said "So you're not going to be able to make phone calls with this anymore but you will, you know, if you choose you can probably still surf the internet admittedly slowly or things like that so I, it's just you, you know, it's like old iPhones. In this case, I I've, I took it, I, I put it in a drawer. It will sit there probably for a long time, and I will think fondly of it. But right now, got the new iPhone 13, so I have no excuses for not being able to promptly return to things. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.
2: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: So very glad to have you spending your Monday afternoon with me. All right, what's going on in Wauwatosa? Now, I, I, I want to be very consistent here. If you are a regular listener of this program, you know that I'm one of these guys who believes that while it's wonderful for nature and civilization to interact, there, there are limits. I'm one of these guys who believe that coyotes or coyotes if you prefer do not believe in, do not belong in, in urban areas. And the fact that they've spread into urban areas and are attacking people's dogs and things like that, and also have the potential to attack people's children, I think when you get reports of coyotes or coyotes, for example, in a place like Wauwatosa, you you need to respond. And that's why there was the story, oh, about a week and a half ago, out about how apparently in Wauwatosa, they had a problem where they had a number of coyotes who had come out and they had attacked somebody's dog. And so they brought in trappers and they caught a series of coyotes and they, they killed them that that was it and some people were upset with that oh we just have to accept this no I'm sorry if you've got dangerous animals that are out there and they're attacking people's pets I mean the 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 Wisconsin DNR for for example when when there's coyotes in an area I mean their, their response is well um let's see Buy, um, install a six or seven foot high fence you know, to help keep them out of an area. Well, okay, what if you live in a community where you can't put six or seven foot fences up? Um, they say don't provide food and water for other wildlife. So, okay, no bird feeders or things like that. They say, okay, don't don't leave you know your pets unattended. Well, okay, it's one thing to be walking a dog without a leash, it's another thing, does that mean that you, you can't let your dog out in the backyard, for example, even if the backyard is fenced in because it might be subject a coyote attack no I, I and I know some people disagree with that but for me it's like okay if you've got coyotes in urban areas and they're attacking people's pets you you have to remove them and if more come in and you have to remove more of them fine you, you can remove more of them what happens to them after you trap them I really don't care that's just it's not on my way of life. so no love for coyotes at all on the other hand turkeys now let me kind of back into this where I live it's like, in some respects, a wildlife preserve, and I, I live in a semi-urban type of area. But you know, it's you know, I will be able to look out the window of my office, and sometimes you'll see deer running across the lawn. Um, a, a lot of times, you'll see we, we get we have we have a lot of the Canadian geese, probably more than that. But you will see all sorts of other types of birds, and 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 we have since I have lived in my house, we have there, there's turkeys. There's wild turkeys that live kind of in this forest behind, across the street from where I live, and there's a there's like a little um, forest is an overstatement, but a bunch of trees. And there's turkeys that live in there. And it is just so fascinating to watch these turkeys, because... Some, sometimes there's as many as like seven or eight, and then lately there's been four or five. But it's just so fascinating to watch them because they all walk in a line, and, you know, you'll be sitting there in the morning, I'll be getting ready for the show, and I'll look out, and there'll be the turkeys, and they're going to be walking across my neighbor's lawn. And, I, and then at night they come back, and they go up, and they fly in the trees. I love these turkeys. All right, the the turkeys do not traumatize my little dog. My little dog does not traumatize them. I I just I just think it's it's an incredible enhancement to the neighborhood to have these turkeys around. And I would hate if anything happened to them. And I understand sometimes there's all these other predators and things like that that are out there. So it brings me to Wawatosa, where apparently they have had a, a handful of turkeys that have been. You know, common sight in parts of the city, you know, crossing busy streets and intersections, showing up on the front steps of homes, prancing around the Hart Park edit- uh, Auditorium. About six turkeys have been seen roaming the streets and parking lots together near West State Street in recent months. They've been dubbed the Tosa turkeys and people in Wawatosa, And I guess there's a lot of people you could say could be the Tosa turkeys, but these are really Tosa turkeys. And so they've kind of been adopted by members of the community, which makes it, Just mind-blowing to me that the city of Waukesha decided to trap and kill some of these wild turkeys who were really causing no problem. Apparently, their health officer said the city received one incident report from Outpost Natural Foods about a confirmed attack on a person. Okay, really? Um, Outpost recently put up a sign to deter shoppers from feeding the turkeys. Well, I mean, I, I kind of understand that. But, you know, they decided that, okay, we've got these turkeys that should be a real asset to the community and a lot of fun. The response was... We're going to go out and we're going to trap them and kill them. Uh, The city does have an ordinance in the books that says that people cannot harbor turkeys within city limits, but they don't apparently have this official policy, but nevertheless they went out and decided they were going to kill the turkeys. Now I understand there's all sorts of bigger issues going on in Wauwatosa, but still, who thought it was a good idea to take these turkeys and say we're going to kill them because they're a problem. Getting rid of coyotes, I'm all in favor of it, okay, putting away car thieves, I'm I'm all in favor of it. But seriously, you're going to spend tax dollars killing turkeys? Give me a break. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Welcome back. So very glad to have you with us. All right. We we all understand that right now when it comes to the labor market, the the advantage is with the employees. By, by that, I mean uh, Almost every employer around can't find people to work for them. Now, maybe it's – there's a lot of factors. Maybe it's the the great resignation. Maybe it's the fact that some people just decided that they dropped out of the workforce during the pandemic and don't want to come back to the workforce. Maybe people just decided, you know what, I was planning on – working another couple of years. But you know what, After during the pandemic, I was kind of semi-retired, and now I think I kind of like that, and I'm able to figure out a way to make ends meet, so I'm not gonna go back. And then there's just a lot of people who just didn't like their, their jobs, and so they've just decided that they're gonna drop out for a while, or try to find something else that they like better. And one of the questions has always been, well, what is it that, that causes somebody to go to work for a place? And one of the arguments has always been if you paid people more, they would be inclined to work there. I, I have a, a very dear friend who, um, he, he sold them now, but he owned a whole bunch of McDonald's restaurants, and, and he would always make the point that they always had to pay more than the prevailing wage in a particular area. So, in other words, if, if, if the average salary was, 10 bucks an hour. They had to pay 12 because what they wanted to do is they wanted to uh, attract the most desirable sort of candidates and, you know, that they wanted people to stay, which is one of the big battles you have if you're an employer, the idea that, you know, you can hire somebody and get them in the door, but if they leave three or four weeks later and then you got to replace them after they've trained them, it's just a nightmare. So I I bring this up because Target, you know, the Target stores is making news today. They are announcing that company-wide they are going to pay a higher starting wage and widen the range of people eligible for benefits. Now, Target is based out of Minneapolis. They said that what they're going to do is they are going to raise their minimum hourly pay range to somewhere between 15 and $24 an hour for employees in their stores. And it's the exact wage is going to depend on where where the store is and what like the cost of living is so presumably if you were working at a target in new york city for example where you have a very high cost of living that would be a store that would be closer to being on the 24 dollars an hour level whereas if you're working in i don't know a store in 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 rural georgia for example where there's lower cost of living chances are it would be like closer to the 15 dollars an hour but they're going to they're going to target this no offense, no pun they're going to target this to the particular areas and decide The the wages. They also said that starting in April, what they're doing is they're reducing the number of hours that you have to work every week in order to qualify for for benefits. You know, it used to be that you know you had to have a full you had to work full time, full time being forty hours a week. It used to be you had to work forty hours a week. Then once the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare rolled in, what they did is the, the government said, okay, anybody that's working thirty hours or more a week is entitled to to benefits. Now that had the interesting counterproductive effect of causing many employers to take part time employees and cut their hours. You know, a part-time employee maybe was working 35 hours a week and in response to well if you work 30 hours or more you got to get benefits what a lot of employers did was they dropped the hours to 25 and so then you, the employees still didn't get benefits but now they had 10, 10 hours less of work a week so they had to go find a second place to work it was not a very well thought out thing but this is Target and Target is saying what we're going to do is if you work at least 25 hours a week, you can enroll in our, our medical plan, you know, so you can start qualifying for, for health benefits at 25 hours a week. Our number, eight five five six one is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Clearly, you know, Target, Target says that they want to be a, a leader when it comes to compensation in, in their particular industry. So more money. 15 to $24 an hour, depending, again, on the area. Easier access to benefits. Part-timers, if you're a part-timer, it's easier to qualify for benefits. All right, is this going to make Target an attractive place to work? Is By doing this, are they going to get more people that want to sign up? Are they going to find it easier to, uh, to keep people? And will they get, quote-unquote, better employees? 855-616-1620. And will this force... Other people in the industry will this force the Walmarts and the Sam's Clubs and the Kohl's and whatever of the world will this then force them to match the salaries and do what Target's doing 855-616-1620 what do you think we discuss in just a moment this is Jeff Wagner you're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ one of the reasons I love the job is is the way you react to stuff. I'm, I'm getting swamped with texts about the turkeys. Well, I, we've got turkeys out here in Brookfield, or the, the turkeys in Wauwatosa were aggressive. They were attacking people. Oh, come on. I mean, I, I, okay, may, maybe if somebody in Outpost Foods is trying to feed the turkey and the turkey kind of runs up to them, but I, we've got turkeys where I live. I, I love them, and they're, it's kind of a live and let live sort of thing. You don't go up to pet the wild turkey, but, you know, I in any event, target making big news they're just announcing that they are going to up their minimum wage forget what the, the government says the minimum wage has to be target is going to pay minimum wage somewhere between 15 and 25 dollars an hour it, it's it's going to vary from area to area based on on local standards again and cost of living and, and things like that which to me makes sense in what I think might even be a bigger deal uh, target is going to reduce the number of hours that you need to work a week to qualify for medical insurance which is a big deal for a lot of people they're dropping it from 30 which is the government minimum down to 25 so you can you can work a part-time job you know you can work 25 hours a week and what would that be you know maybe you know 30 you know 3 8 hour shifts or four evenings or whatever and you can qualify for medical benefits which is a huge deal and I guess my question is 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 this going to make target an industry leader will this help target get and retain employees and and my answer is is yeah i mean and i think look look this is this is not good news for i guess for people who are concerned about inflationary spirals because this is going to encourage i think other other similarly situated businesses are going to have to, to do this, the same thing because you're competing for that same work pool. But at the same time, it's just it's the reality. Okay, so here's one of our textures It says, yes, I, I think that they will, you know, maybe they will get, you know, better – employees. Okay, that's good. Here's the flip side. You know, one of our texters who is even more cynical than I was in my worst days. Jeff, I believe they will get worse employees end up retaining those ones longer. I understand there's some good employees out there that can only work part-time schedules, but I think the vast majority of part-time workers this is, I'm, I'm clo- quoting the text now. This is not me. I think the vast majority of part-time workers are lazy, poor-performing employees. Um, now that there's an added benefit to that group of people, it will keep them underperforming at work for a longer period of time. I think the vast majority of part-time workers are lazy, poor-performing employees. I could not disagree, I guess, more with that, with that thought. There Matter of fact, there's lots of people who work part-time for, I mean, a a lot of different reasons. Maybe you're you're in school. Maybe you've got, you know, child care. Um, You know, that's, you know, maybe they've got child care and and things like that. You know, you've got all these different factors that are out there. But, I mean, I, I think quite candidly, I think you've got, you know, from the perspective of employers, I think you're going to find employers are, are desperate to find like good employees and whether they're an employee that can work 25 hours a week or they're can an employee that works 40 hours a week. Matter of fact, I think there's a lot of part time employees who candidly would. They're brought on as part-time, but they would love the opportunity to go ahead and, and be able to have that full-time gig, but it just, you know, it hasn't happened. So I think what Target is doing, will it contribute a little bit to inflation? Yes, it will contribute a little bit to inflation. And yes, could this lead to um, increased costs being passed on to consumers? Yeah, it's probably going to do that. But th- this, is the, this is the world you're in. For the longest time, we've had a situation where, you it, it it was the the employers were the ones that that had the power you know there was tight labor markets you had um people who were desperate to have jobs and so you had that competition this is the flip side now employers can't find people to do the jobs so what are they going to have to do they're going to you know have to pay more I, if anything i think that for our texter who was thinking that, well, okay, here's this deal where it's going to have them retain the the poor employees. No, I I think... By by paying more money, what's going to happen is you're going to get more applicants that are in there, so that you can up expectations. The, the idea is, okay, we I, I don't have to have okay. Jeff's a lazy lousy employer employee, but I got to keep him because even though he's a lazy lousy employee, I, I don't have anybody to replace him with. Well, okay, you offer you know a better incentive package, you offer more compensation. The effect of what ends up happening is you, you've got people that are for it so you go in and you say Jeff you got to really step up your game here pal because you know this is these jobs are look at all these applicants we have for this particular position and if you you keep coming in late bottom line is we're going to you know cut you loose so I, I actually think that I think it does probably improve the quality of the workforce on top of that I think it probably keeps people around you know longer and let's face it benefits continue to be a really really big deal for people uh because uh, and benefits are expensive it's one of these hidden costs of stuff that are out there tammy in burlington tammy you're on wtmj good afternoon
2: well hi Jeff. how are you hi. thanks for taking my call yeah what do you think first time caller long time listener um, i have run a cleaning service for over 20 years and i have um I've been listening to the minimum wage debate for several years now, and I'm kind of in the the corner where I I think that maybe we don't even need um, minimum wage requirements. I think that we can handle this on our own. I think that when we – I'm all for increasing wages across the board. To allow people to have livable wages is a fantastic thing, but you have to remember that all of these small businesses cannot afford to keep up with that pace. All the big companies can do it. The small companies—the only way they're going to survive is to increase their prices. This is going to have a huge effect on inflation.
1: No, out no, here. it is. No, no. Thanks for the call, Tim. You know, I, I don't. Dis- I mean, that's that's the that is the problem because you're you're right. Your your cleaning service. You are now, in order to hire the people to work for you, you're going to be competing. They can say, well, Tammy, you know, I, I can go to Target, and I can, I mean, I don't know what the, the, the minimum starting salary is going to be in Burlington, but, okay, Target's paying 17 bucks an hour, you know, I, and I get benefits after $25, after, after 25 hours. Yeah, and obviously, as a small businesswoman, you can't end up matching that, and that is, of course, going to be the issue that's there. But at the same time, I, I think it's kind of a supply and demand thing. To the other point, that you made about the minimum wage. Now, I don't want people to misunderstand. I'm not arguing that the government should do away with minimum wages, but I think you make a really interesting and important point. Just like my buddy who owned all the the McDonald's, they were McDonald's franchises, who, who minimum wage wasn't a factor because... It, it, if whatever the minimum wage was eight bucks or an hour they couldn't they couldn't get people to work for eight bucks an hour they always had to pay significantly above the minimum wage in order to, to get people to Apply and then to show up and then to continue showing up. So it was never really a, a factor. And so again, you could have the government minimum wage, but they, they just they couldn't find people to do that because that was the whole free market thing that's going on there. So I think you know you've got this this situation that's that's here and. It it is just the new reality, and again, it's a pendulum that swings back and forth, and for the longest time, you had all this power that was in the employer's hands because it was a really, really um, open labor market. That's changed. Bottom line is, though, I think this is good for Target, and I think overall it's probably going to be good for society, even if it means we're all going to have to pay a little bit more when we go and buy whatever it is that we buy at Target. When we come back, let's find out what John Mercure has on his mind on Wisconsin's afternoon news.